1: All right, good evening, buddy. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB or tune in radio, you can hear the show as it airs. And all these podcasts are commercial-free on ioymoney.com. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, accomplished marathon runner, best-selling author, a lecturer, a philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight?
2: I'm great, Joe. I'm just back from Hawaii. How about that? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> what was going on there? Lots of things. Just goofing off, playing tennis.
1: Really? Yeah. Have you avoided this pollen allergy that's been plaguing me?
2: No, nothing about it.
1: No, nothing. So you don't have it. Well, no. anyway, I'm about day six here, and I think I'm just about over it. But uh, for anyone else out there ailing, I, I feel for you. And um, just keep drinking plenty of water. I did go to the finally get the the nasal s- steroids um, spray, and I got the um, decongestant, expectorant, and and all that. And a naproxen. I'm not going to give brand names unless they want to pay for it. And, um Anyway.
2: Well, well, if you've got that, you you need something to do while you're at home recuperating. I've got something for our listeners to do, Joe, and that would be. They can either go to our website, iymoney.com, or, Mm -hmm. you know, Christopher Christopher Yanov, who heads up Reality Changers.
1: Absolutely. They
2: can go to Reality Changers. I forget if it's .com or .org, Reality Changers, because we have. It is org. Yeah, realitychangers.org. And they can vote once a day for about the next 17 days because we have two finalists associated with this radio show. For the Malin Burnham for Awards. For the Malin Burnham Awards. And Burnham. Burnham. And Malin Burnham Awards. And that those, right. those two finalists for the Malin Burnham Awards are, for most inspirational business, that would be our sponsor, Elite Lifestyle Management, Michelle St. Clair's Great Company. Aha. Uh-huh. Michelle, of course, helps people reclaim their most precious asset, their time. Mm-hmm. So they're up for Most Inspirational Business. And then for Most Inspirational Foundation, our great friend and multi-time guest, Kathy Kinane, who heads up the Movie Feet Before You Eat Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, that great organization of which, of course, I am associated, is a finalist for Most so, sh- Inspirational So, so Chicago
1: voting is permitted. Vote early. Vote, vote often. often. Yeah. Exactly. You can vote on a daily basis. You can vote base. once a
2: day. <laughs> In vote. fact, if you have have more than one web address. You can vote, vote multiple times a day, just wow. once a day. From so I know
1: you've address. been doing the last, uh, you'll be doing the next few days, right? I just,
2: uh, just once a day. Go yeah. on and
1: vote. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and the uh, event is, uh, when is the, uh, the awards event? I think
2: the awards event's at UCSD. I believe it's May 23rd. Ah, UCSD. Going from Well,
1: yeah, good for UCSD. Malin. Boy, that guy, we have had. We, we have to do another show with him. Uh, yeah, Malin's a great guest. We did a nice hour with him. It's all in our archives, folks. That's another thing. If you go to iwaymoney.com you can hear this show tonight. Or uh, any of the past great guests we've had, and boy, there have been many: Irwin Jacobs, Darlene Marco Shiley, Tommy Smothers, uh, the who, late Don Rickles, the late Don Rickles, B- Billie G- Jean King, Billie Jean King, Don, George Takei, Jim Lampley. On it goes, on and on and on. There's we've, we we uh, we'll talk to anybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got a VIP guest, we've, and it's been a long time in planning because uh, his busy schedule uh, and and ours, but finally we. We've got him in studio tonight, and uh, this gentleman—he's—he's uh, he's a legend in the field of university and student housing, and—and uh, and he is a graduate of San Diego State University, and he is CEO of Pierce Education Properties. And without further delay, notice I didn't say a do. I don't think that's correct. Without further delay, Fred Pierce, the fourth. Fred, welcome.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Outstanding. So, now, have you
2: voted yet? I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: Voting, what, for you? Oh, no, what?
2: for the Man and Burnham Awards.
1: Oh, wait, wait. I'm we're just teasing him. Talked him at the break. Anyway, Fred, we were talking with you, and Rick Sloss is also in the studio with us. Uh, we were talking before the show, and I said, you know, we do like to get into the bio of our guests. Well, this guy went off on his genealogy, which about floored me. So I want to hear about Fred, Frederick Pierce 1, 2, and 3, and, and going all the way back to Julius Caesar Go. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it, it's been a private hobby of mine
0: for many, many years to study and document the genealogy of my family. And on, on both sides, uh, we're very, very early Americans. Um, it, you are right. I've actually documented the direct lineage all the way back to Julius Caesar at the, <laughs> uh, the beginning of the current modern calendar, all the way through Charlemagne and William the Conqueror and my 24th great-grandfather. Uh, if you've seen the movie Braveheart. Mm-hmm. Famous by Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: you're related to Mel? I'm just <laughs> uh,
0: close. <laughs> uh, the opposite. I'm. I'm related to Longshanks. He's oh, my tw- okay. 24th great grandfather, and, uh, and that comes through ten grandparents on the Mayflower, who obviously came over in, in 1620, and, mm-hmm. and documented all the way through to me.
1: And then also you go back to Winston Churchill. You said you have some. T-
0: yeah. You know, when you get back into the early colonial times, uh, you end up finding out that you're related to a lot of. You know, early leaders. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, my my distant cousins include George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, George Bush, senior George Bush, George uh, uh, W. Bush, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, President Nixon, President Ford and and in fact, uh, Winston Churchill as well. And, And no
2: relation to Franklin Pierce? Uh, in
0: fact, I am related to Franklin Pierce, but it's through marriage, okay. not through the Pierce name. Okay. Well, you
1: know what? Now, uh, um, Barbara Bush is uh, her maiden name is Pierce, and I think she is also. What you're saying must be true. <laughs> it must be. Re- she's related to, to to one of the Pierce's, but not one Democrat in the pile. There, come on, there must have been. <laughs> there must be one in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure there are. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that is pr- pretty amazing. Well, tell us about. You know, Frederick one, two and three, uh, you know, uh, they were they in real estate also or. Yeah, no. So. Uh, so
0: if you were to go, go back, uh, you know, my dad was uh, the first in our family to move out of New England in 360 years. Wow. Oh. He, he he met my mom at University of Maine at Orno, uh, where they both graduated. Uh, and then he took an entry level sales job. Uh, with a Fortune 500 glass company, LOF Glass. If anyone's got a General Motors car, mm-hmm. look in the corner of your window. There's a little shield that says LOF. And mm. so that's what my dad did. And and he started in entry-level sales and worked his way all the way up to become chairman and CEO of a glass company uh, in the Midwest. Uh, and that was sort of his, his career. His father, Frederick Watson Pierce Jr., uh, graduated from Tufts University in uh, 1918 and and actually was the original design engineer that designed every free span bridge that exists today in the state of Maine and uh, and my great grandfather uh Fr- Frederick Watson Pierce uh the first uh was born in 1869 lived till uh till 1950 uh, and was a businessman
1: in the greater boston area huh hmm. nobody into maple syrup in the in maine or vermont <laughs> i guess <laughs> we eat a lot of it yeah <laughs> But, uh, well, so where, where were you born? So I was born in Chicago, which okay. was my dad's, uh, my dad's first, uh, first job. Good question, Richard. So born in Chicago, and then where would you go to uh, high school? And uh, Well, we know went to San Diego State. Yeah, but...
0: so, so we moved around because my dad in sales, uh, every time he got a promotion or a new territory, we moved. So I went from Chicago to Des Moines, Iowa, to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Then I was Little League, so um, elementary school age in San Francisco, uh, went wow. to went to high school, junior high and high school in Los Angeles, including playing on the baseball team at Granada Hills High School with a guy named John Elway. Huh. And uh, who? And, and then all, who, my who, root...
2: by the way, played minor league baseball for the New York Yankees.
0: Uh, he did, indeed. Yeah. He did. He was drafted by the Royals uh, out of high school as a senior, right. but you couldn't play uh, professional sports in one sport and still be an amateur in the other, back in his freshman year, they changed that, with that, Jackson, that rule. Yeah. They changed that rule in his uh, sophomore year, so he was able to play for the Yankees in the summer, their
2: affiliate, and, and, and football at Stanford. And then he yeah. made a really good decision and went with football. <laughs> that was Well, a good he made a bad
1: decision. Bench, so he went with Denver. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but fortunately, I we, chose San Diego
1: State. Were, were, friends, were you friends with him at all? Or you you know, I, you... I, I knew him, but I'm not going to claim that we were friends. Buddy, buddy. Okay, yeah. all right. But, boy, all that moving around, did you find that difficult emotionally, or you just it's a, you, you said, hey, this is what our family's got to do, and you just make new, pick up and make new friends? Because some kids have a, a rough adjustment doing that.
0: Yeah, I just didn't know any different. Yeah. And I think it's benefited me today, because I'm generally a pretty easy going, easy to get to know,
1: easy to talk to person. Nice, nice. So graduated high school where, finally? A Granada Hills High School. Granada Hills. In the San Fernando Valley. And then... How'd you discover San Diego? Well,
0: as the story would go, my parents sat me down at the dining room table and said, in uh, my senior year in high school, and said, Fred, we've made an important decision for you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Oh, you have, have you? Uh-huh. They said, Yes, we've decided where you're going to college. And I said, Enlighten me, where might that be? Uh, and they said, You're going to be a Trojan. We're sending you to USC. Whoa. And I said, Dad, I don't want to go to USC.
1: I want to go to San Diego State and become an Aztec. How about that? Now, what? what, Well, you know what? We have to take a little break. We're going to come back with Fred Pierce IV with Pierce Education Properties right after this. Hang on. (laughs) All right, we're getting smart. I like when we have smart guests, and we get smart, isn't that right, Richard? Well, Chief, (laughs) this is the second smartest guest we've ever had. Maybe the first. Anyway, Fred Pierce, fell for it. president and CEO of Pierce Education Properties. They have a portfolio of about 12,500 beds uh, all over the country here, and we're going to get more into that later. But let's get back with Fred and why he chose San Diego State and wanted to become an Aztec over the Trojans.
0: Well, when I was in high school, I, I looked at my life going forward, and there was three things that mattered to me. One was that I had a dream of being a professional baseball player uh, and a guy named Tony Gwynn was playing baseball at San Diego State, and that looked appealing. That, oh. that secondly, I felt that that might nevertheless be unlikely, so I needed to have something to fall back on, so I wanted a business education. And thirdly,
2: I wanted to have a heck of a good time.
1: Ah, wine, women, and song.
2: Tony Gwynn, by the way, was the starting point guard for the Aztecs, too. In between baseball season.
1: Reminds me of the story where the young, the young son was about to take off and travel, and he's telling his dad, he goes, Dad, I'm off looking for wine, women, and song. Don't try and stop me. And his dad said, Who's going to stop you? I'll go with you. But anyway. <laughs> 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 and um, so anyway, so you had heard of San Diego State, and you chose them over USC. Now, uh, was it possible that the, the competition on the baseball team might have been a little more stringent at, at USC? Or, uh, or you just didn't like the campus or the school? or You, you must have traveled and, and visited both campuses, right? No, back no. in the day, I didn't travel. I'd never seen either one. Uh, and in fact, I only
0: applied to one university, and, and that was San Diego State. How about
1: that? Well, that's great. great that's great. So I'm assuming you're very active with the alumni and everything, right? Uh,
0: Probably more active than yep. any other alum, I might say, over the last 30 years. Well,
2: Rocky Long is my hero, just so you know. <laughs> uh, he, he is a, his presence is a godsend. Rocky no is the man. No kidding.
1: So I guess about 1980, you entered uh, uh, San Diego State, right? I did. Uh, a very famous place then known as El Conquistador,
0: the private dormitory right there at Montezuma. And I was going to ask
1: you, how was the housing, student housing back in the day <laughs> compared to uh, what you've been doing?
0: Well, it's where I built my entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. Uh, I actually, at El Conk, uh, created a speakeasy out of my dorm room. So we moved the bed out of the one dorm room <laughs> into the next one. We hauled a bar up eight flights of stairs, <laughs> drilled holes in the wall, and draped a bar light over it, and it opened it up from eight a, eight p.m. to two
1: a.m. every every, every oh day. Oh my God! You had you guys were actually running an op, a, a, a speaking. Oh my gosh! And making money. probably. Was it a fraternity or just your dorm? It was just in the dorm. How about that? And nobody uh, said anything. You were you. Well, uh, You know, back in the day,
0: with a speakeasy, you needed to make sure that the patrol beat cop was a a friend of yours. Uh huh. And in this case, I simply I took the resident uh, advisor on the floor. Uh huh. He got free
1: drinks. Everyone drank for free. (laughs) And
0: and I and then the resident manager, the entire dorm, and he got free
2: drinks. (laughs) Joe, did you ever see the movie Risky Business?
1: Yes, I did. But same concept. This sounds even better, though. (laughs) I want to get a graduate degree now. My gosh, that's. that so that's very enterprising. You know, you could have probably um, it wasn't it didn't involve a fraternity because I mean they have to raise money. Um, so what you guys do? You just banked all the cash and well, candidly, we made just
0: enough to cover the cost of our own drinks. Ah, uh,
1: <laughs> so you guys were pouring too heavy apparently. <laughs>
0: Or charging too little, right.
1: but folks, for the record, uh, Mr. Piercer did graduate cum laude in finance at San Diego State, and uh, and he also went on to uh, an MBA program there at San Diego State. But
2: what did you learn about student housing while at Elkhorn?
1: Anything? Needed, I don't think I can repeat it on okay. the radio. <laughs> okay. Well, was that, was the quality uh, there? I mean, I mean, you can't. Re- I mean, can you sugarcoat it a little bit, or you? Sure. Well, you know, what I what I all all kidding aside, you mm-hmm. know, what
0: I, what I did learn uh was that that student housing, you know, is a balance of of having a good time and and supporting uh students academically so they mm-hmm. can they can matriculate to to earn a degree.
1: Yeah. And yeah. so
0: so we we, we don't want to be too strict on one hand and we don't want to be things out lenient. of control on the other hand.
1: Right, right. I mean, it is a social a social environment and um that's why I'm not too fond of these, um, you know, online colleges. I think kids miss a lot. I don't, you're not going to get the, the full uh, university experience uh, trying to get, you know, sit in front of a computer at your home and try to get a degree that way. Uh, don't you agree? Uh, it's, it's more important now than it's ever been.
0: When you take a look at a millennial who sits across a table and they're texting each other and not speaking to each other, mm-hmm. uh, boy, do they need immersion in a residential experience well, at a well, university.
2: Well, couples do that on dates now.
1: In fact, they do. <laughs> you know, Bill Belichick just um, posted something, and he he is totally against social media for millennials. He said they have, you have to learn. This is like Billie Jean King; you, know, you have to build relationships uh, in order to, to succeed, uh, well, and he, it's more about that than almost. Um,
2: Every, he I, has relationships. So everybody hates him except Robert Kraft.
1: Nah. <laughs> well, he was talking about millennials oh, okay. and and um, and using social media. So he he's. Um, He's totally against that for, for um, and, and, and w- probably with some good reason because you, you know, millennials really need to learn how to communicate in, a, in meetings. I always tell you, uh, join Toastmasters. I mean, if you don't know how to get up and speak in front of a group, I'm not saying you won't be successful in life, but you certainly will enhance your chances if I you I tell can,
2: kids, go do volunteer work.
1: Well, that, but I'm just saying learning how to communicate and speak, wouldn't you agree, Fred? That's an important skill. To,
0: Well, I am a Toastmaster myself, Uh and uh, we, in fact, have a Toastmasters program inside the College of Business at San Diego State. But yeah, communication skills are absolutely paramount. Mm -hmm. But both written and oral communication skills are probably
1: the number one attribute you can develop. And number
2: two, the ability to listen.
1: Yes. What'd you say? (laughs) 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 No, but listening is, is key because obviously that will lead to hopefully a a question that uh, you need answered or would like answered. So um, anyway, that, that's all. So Fred, you graduated in 84 as an undergrad and then uh, 88 you, you graduate studies in real estate finance. What attracted you to real estate? You know, I thought growing up that I was going to go into corporate
0: finance, uh, being raised in a family where my dad was, uh, you know, a salesperson in a Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my professors uh, landed me two different internships in real estate and it was with a firm called the Goodkin Group, a guy named Sandy Goodkin, uh, he of you them. know, rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a great mentor. And, and as an intern, I, I got enamored with the kinds of projects that we worked on, real large scale master plan communities, golf course communities, large projects. And, you know, I looked at that and, and two things appealed to me. One was that it was so tangible and to somehow be in a business that you could own something or have built something that is so tangible seemed just very real to me and very interesting. And candidly, the other was every real estate developer and investor that I came in contact with had made a
2: lot of
1: money, mm-hmm. including the president.
2: Were, were you there when KPMG um well, what did yes. you guys do, merge, bot well, I forget what the transaction was, but yeah, that I was, became
1: KPMG, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, we yeah. did. So
0: in 1987, we uh, we were acquired by KPMG. Okay. That's right.
1: Okay. But backing up even more, and it's a good lesson for uh, millennials listening or students, um, your first jobs out of college um, weren't necessarily, you, you know, you were general partner at San Diego Alamo, right? And that was what, res- residential? Was it all real estate from, from day one after college, or did you take some other uh, other side jobs or?
0: No, it was. So I got offered a job by the Goodkin Group who were real estate consultants and appraisers to property owners, real estate developers. And I, I started that mm-hmm. uh, the, the day I graduated and, mm-hmm. and did that for 10 years. I was really trying to learn as much as I could to put myself in a position to someday start my own company. Mm-hmm. But, but it's been real estate uh, professionally for me since uh, actually before graduation because of my, my two internships at Bank of America mm-hmm. and, at, uh, and at the Goodkin Group. And then I see you went over to Price Waterhouse. I did. I did okay. back in the late '80s. The, the The trend in vogue was for the the then Big Eight accounting firms to be acquiring real estate consulting firms right. as a, as a gate lane or uh, gateway or pipeline to getting commercial real estate developers sure. as clients. And uh, Pw was the only firm that decided to hire people and not buy a firm. So I was at KPMG right. for a year, and then Price Waterhouse decided they wanted to get in that business and. Uh, they hired uh, two of us early on that that, that basically co-founded the and practice. that was
1: in San Diego, San Diego office or uh, it was. I ultimately
0: mm-hmm. ran the Western United States, and that caused mm. forced a relocation up to L.A. for. Uh, for a few miserable years, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, and I had to quit my job and start a company to get back to San Diego, which was 22 years ago. Mm. And is it
2: true you worked on one of the coolest companies in the history of San Diego? That would be Legoland? Uh, absolutely. We, we were actually, <laughs> I love that place. We were actually involved as a client. Our client was Lego as they
0: were doing site selection and oh, deciding okay. where in the country they were going to put Legoland. Ah,
1: we'll get more cool. on the Lego story, though. We have to take a little break. We're going to come back with Fred Pierce the Fourth. With the the CEO and President of Pierce Education Properties, stay tuned. Hey, there's the Aztec song. Go Aztec! Go Aztec! Take it away, Justin. All right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is a time where Richard and I like to thank our sponsors, and premiere among them is ABC Family Law, headed up by Sharon Blanchet and Lisa Christensen, and all the great work the women do in the family law space, and Richard has more.
2: Justin, thanks again for the Aztecs fight song, but I'm not so sure about those pom-poms. Anyway, in addition to ABC, how about UBS with Michael Caronto? We could not do the show without UBS, so a big thank you to them. Also, our great friend, and C- well, we have two CPAs, Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, great CFO service form, and then more traditional CPAs, Pluto Epic CPAs in San Marcos, specializing in traditional services like income tax returns and financial statements. Speaking of folks who came out of the big four environment with real estate firms, how about Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives? Joel helps real estate owners improve their cash flow. Now, all this money our sponsors help you make. How about you stash it at Mechanics Bank? Sean Puckett, of course, is the San Diego Regional Vice President at Mechanics Bank, a unique niche market bank that serves families in the real estate business and as well as high net worth families don't necessarily have to be in the real estate business. Also, the LG Experience in the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. Also, our great friend Neil Staley with Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance, a great employee benefits firm, And boy, is that area ever-changing, given the uncertainty with Obamacare. Also, Paul Hines. Paul, of course, heads up Hearthstone Private Wealth Management and is the lead here in San Diego for SeniorSafeAndSound.org, helping to prevent financial abuse of the elderly. Also, Malin Burnham Award finalist, Elite Lifestyle Management with Michelle St. Clair, helping folks who have no time reclaim their most precious asset, which, of course, would be their time. Brenda Geiger as well, Geiger Law Office. Brenda specializes in asset protection and estate planning and has a great continuing education symposium coming up at lovely Loma Santa Fe Country Club in Solana Beach on May 12th. So if you're a CPA, an attorney, and you need some continuing education hours, have some great speakers, May 12th with Brenda Geiger and Geiger Law Office. Also, for those of you who are skipping dinner just to listen to this show and want something to eat after, We can help that out too, right, Joe?
1: Absolutely. Well, there's the Very Good Food Foundation putting on great foodie events all over San Diego, uh, almost on a quarterly basis, headed up by Michelle Ciccarelli Lirac. And also, there's Lestatch Coffee Houses, the original on University, excuse me, on Adams, Adams. the second on Park Boulevard, and the third on University, all open 24 7, 365, and always crowded and always good beverages and food there. Anyway, back with, oh, and if you, uh, (laughs) I know Richard's been working with many of these. Sponsors for, uh, for many, many years, right, Richard?
2: Uh, close to three decades in some cases. You can find out lots about them on our website, and, and we also have some really cool information up there if you want to be a sponsor.
1: Absolutely. Just go to IYMoney.com. There's a sponsor tab, a drop-down menu, and all the information is there. Now back to the president and CEO of Pierce Education Properties. His name is Fred Pierce the Fourth. We last left off at Legoland. And um, did you want to talk about your involvement there, Fred?
0: Well, it was a lot of fun. Lego was looking to come to the United States and open their first theme park. And... They did a nationwide search for uh, geography and and land to do that, and I happened to be the the lead project manager on that uh, at Pricewaterhouse, and and we assisted them, and ultimately it it consummated with them selecting – uh, the Legoland site in Carlsbad mm-hmm. uh over the other finalist, which is a suburb of Washington, DC.
1: Really? They're based in the Netherlands, I think, right? Or somewhere up there in that neck of the woods. I believe that's right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Funny story about Legoland. So shortly after they opened, they decided to field a softball team, a co ed softball team to play in the Carlsbad City League. And of course we had a team with my CPA firm. And um it was an Unlimited Arc and I was the pitcher and it was the only no-hitter I ever threw an unlimited Arc softball because nobody from the Netherlands knew how to hit a baseball Well, that's... or softball. <laughs> so threw a actually threw a perfect game, eighteen up and eighteen down. Um, but it was still fun playing with the folks from Legoland because they let us go over and check things out for free, and it was so cool when that thing was being built. Yeah, just to see it taking shape. Well, and it's one of really the major attractive.
1: attractions here in San Diego. Oh,
2: it's such a neat play.
1: Um, anyway, so then Fred moved on to the Platt Companies. We're we'll eventually going to get to uh, his his company, but uh, tell us what you did there, senior VP and, and CFO, right? Yeah, that
0: was the early 1990s when the the real boom in the REIT industry, the real estate investment trust industry, where there was a total lack of liquidity in commercial real estate, and the only way to access liquidity was taking companies public. And, and so that happened in the early 90s, and Platt was one of our clients at Pricewaterhouse, and they had sites on forming a REIT uh, and taking uh, an apartment company uh, public, and so they hired me to be their chief financial officer and to head up their acquisitions,
2: and I I spent two years there. Gotcha.
1: And then the inspiration to form your own company and get into student housing, uh, when did that occur? But
2: what was the interest in student housing, too, as part of that question?
0: Yeah, the interest in student housing sort of just happened, candidly. You know, I had, when I was 21 years old, decided I wanted to own my own real estate company, but didn't know what kind of real estate company. And what happened was in in 1995, one of my former clients, the San Diego State University Foundation, came to me and said, you know, Fred, you are our consultant, and you gave us these recommendations on how to redevelop all the land around the university. And two of the smartest developers in the history of California have come back to us and said, I don't know who this bozo of a consultant you had was, but these ideas don't work, and it's completely infeasible, and the university came to me and said, well, Fred, what do you have to say about this? And I said, I'll tell you what, I believe in those ideas, so... I'll quit my job, start a company. You just hire me to be the developer of this billion-dollar project. Which,
1: which school? And that was at San Diego State? And that, was,
0: that was San Diego State.
1: How about that? And
0: the redevelopment of all the land. And if you've been up on Montezuma Mesa, mm-hmm. you absolutely can't recognize the front door as compared to where it was 30 years ago right. back in the
1: 80s. Mm. So this is a 131-acre project, right? Yeah, it's
0: 131 acres, 100 different parcels uh, privately owned. Mm and uh, And so, in fact, that is exactly what did happen. Uh, I wrote a business plan on how to implement the project. The foundation adopted the business plan and then negotiated an agreement and hired me to be their developer, uh, which I oversaw for 10 years. So when you
1: drive up Montezuma there, all those apartment houses are uh, they're a Pierce property, right, pretty much? Well, we developed well, several developed.
0: projects up there, but the whole concept of density and land use and mixture was was our idea and was mine. I was the project manager on the consulting
1: side that uh, that did it. And they're pretty nice look, looking buildings. You've been over there, right, Richard? I mean, well, I get
2: up there with some frequency. Yeah, a
1: lot of yeah, it. No, lo- it's really gorgeous. I, I like a lot of the trees. You know, that's a big part of it. Isn't yeah. the landscaping a big deal, Fred? It's all a big part. You know, yeah. when we looked at that
0: development back in the day, they were just ugly boxes mm-hmm. that were being built. And now they're, they're very interesting, award winning designs. Yeah. That are you know as good as they get. Plus you know? the
2: activity center, the basketball arena. I mean, you put it all together, and it's it's class class A university in terms of um, you know what's on campus. It's really incredible compared to 40 years ago. So how
1: many how many um, just apartment units, um, you know, student housing that the San Diego State have uh, right now? Would you say?
0: Well, on campus, I I believe SDSU has about over 4,000, maybe it's 4,500 beds Mm -hmm. uh, uh, on campus, including that new South Campus Plaza Mm -hmm. mixed use project there at College in Montezuma. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also own a whole bunch of apartments off campus. They Mm -hmm. own the Granada on Hardy. They own all most of the apartments down on that 55th Street Mm -hmm. cul-de-sac, which many of us remember from back in the day as being very popular as a location.
1: Mm -hmm. So they are both on campus and off campus landlords now. But now you have grown. So from San Diego State, you're, on to, you're involved with how many campuses now, 15? Um... Yeah, we're at 21 universities as of Friday. We're closing Friday at University of South
0: Florida, and uh, that'll wow. take us to tw- our 21st campus. Wow. <laughs> so how many total beds? So that'll take us to about 13,000 beds that we own. Well,
2: that's 26,000 students. Just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on a good night. Anyway, but bum ba um anyway so so Fred so you you start you launched this in 95 um, Pierce Education Properties so what after San Diego state um you wanted to keep going obviously what was your next what was your next project Yeah
0: so so what happened was is in the mid 2000s uh, 2006 in particular, uh, other locations, other universities, other landowners near universities started approaching us because they had seen and heard about the work that had been done at San Diego State. It was it was a national role model for redevelopment at universities, and so our phones started ringing. So I ultimately said, "Now's the time," uh, and we took the platform national. And within uh, so we I took the platform national in June of 2006 with no assets. No income, no projects, uh, and four employees. Wow, uh, myself and th- and three others. Have you thought of running for president?
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's got no. He has money, but the well, country doesn't. He, pre- he is a president. Yeah, the president country has is no coming. money. He has, he has more money than the country has. But well, it's, pos- but it's possible
0: know. that the nation does need me. Yeah. <laughs> So after Senegal State, who was second? Who who was third? Who came next? Yeah, so within 120 days, we won two massive projects, one at Michigan State University in East Lansing, one at Arizona State University in Tempe, uh, and and those were on the development side, Uh, and then we also opened up a division to buy existing, and six months after going national, we closed a $130 million acquisition of 3,500 beds of. Purpose-built student housing at Michigan State University and at Central Michigan University.
1: Anyway, we have to take a little break. We'll come back with Fred Pierce, president and CEO of Pierce Education Properties, right after this. All right, we're back riding the range with Fred Pierce, president and CEO of Pierce Education Properties. So, very
2: quickly, who else do you have in California besides San Diego State?
0: Uh, Only UC Riverside. Most of our most of our holdings are in the Midwest and the Southeast because that's
1: where most of America's universities are located. Gotcha, Fred. You've done a lot of philanthropic work, also. How many? I see the list of boards that you've, are on or been on. I mean, you want to give us a a total? I don't think I could actually count, but
0: it's. (laughs) I've served San Diego State in virtually every capacity. I was president of Young Alumni, president of the Alumni Association. Represented him on the statewide CSU Alumni Council Board. I was the alumni trustee on the California State University Board of Trustees. And today I chair the Fowler College of Business at San Diego State. Um, uh, I'm on the Aztec Club Board, which used to be known as the Aztec Athletic Foundation, and the executive
1: committee of the Corky McMillan Center for Real Estate. And And I see here a Wine Business Institute. That's a cool one. Sonoma State University. And then the Marshall Falk Foundation. Does he get back here much? Uh, Yes, Marshall lives here. Ah. so yeah, and he's very active and supportive
0: of the community. He took over Drew Brees' golf tournament, Mm -hmm. uh, the charity uh, celebrity golf tournament, and. Yeah, the Sonoma one is fun, is very fun. I'm on the board of the... It's the only uh, curriculum in wine that focuses on the business side of wine, ah. as opposed to making wine. So it's the Wine Business Institute, uh, the only such program in North America at Sonoma State University. Yeah.
1: And of course, Marshall has a Super Bowl ring, doesn't he? Does he yeah. have more than one or just one?
0: Indeed. Uh, I think it was about 2000 or 2001. St. The, Louis, The greatest right? show on turf.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: and, and, and Marshall was spectacular uh, on Montezuma Mesa and uh, and every...
1: A bit as much in the NFL. And he should
2: have won the Heisman. Who the heck was Gino Toretta? Anyway?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I see you with the Aztec Club, Aztec Warrior Foundation, on and on and on. BIA, Home Builders Council, unbelievable. L.A. Headquarters, Association Board of Directors, associate Students. Boy, what a, what a legacy and resume. Outstanding. Um, I see also you were on the City Pension Board, and I'm glad you're not anymore because... Uh, <laughs> Is it still? I, I saw it was two billion underfunded, and now I believe the figure's up to two point five billion. And and um, what's going on there? Did they just did they overestimate the kind of returns? I know I know you had nothing to do with the management of the fund per se, um, but and the county is in, uh, also underfunded by a couple billion, right? Uh, generally speaking, the
0: the defined benefit pension plan, business, industry, everybody's underfunded. In the entire country. And and we are no different. And candidly, it's a broken model Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, with longer life expectancy, Mm -hmm. uh, they're forever like a cat chasing their tail in terms of trying to keep up with what
1: how long benefits are going to have to be paid. And And also some groups gaming the system a little bit. Let's be honest about it. You know, um, some unions have uh, gamed the system, right? Um, well,
0: well there's, there's no doubt that, uh, that unions have tremendous influence in public pension plans. And, uh, and when there were days of surplus, then that was ripe for negotiating, you know, additional employee benefits. Mm-hmm. And and then when the, the, the economy turned or the investment markets turned, you know, then all of a sudden they had more expensive benefits and uh, and the funded ratios went down.
1: Well, getting sure. into those risky investments, I think that also hurt. And I don't think uh, we've completely recovered from all of that um,
2: it wasn't yeah. that necessarily, Joe, as much as functioning in a low-yield environment. Their actuarial assumptions were just not accurate.
1: Right. They're saying 7, seven and a half, right. seven percent 7%, and really, who's making that uh, these days? Um, I don't know, unless you're in real estate. <laughs> well, real estate's always a good thing to be in, Fred, because they're not making any more of it, right? We always hear that adage. Well, it certainly is a, a dynamic and well-performing asset class, and you know any
0: institutional investors very wise to have a solid allocation to real estate and we would advocate within real estate they really ought to be thinking about making student housing part of their asset allocation yeah.
2: so so when a university retains you what what typical issues or problems or challenges have they been having
0: well, it's it, candidly, we're not typically retained by universities, right. although we did get hired by San Diego State, and for 10 years we did that. But uh, the challenge for universities is much like other pu- public entities, funding is short, mm-hmm. uh, and they're looking for additional sources of revenue, additional sources of bonding capacity and borrowing capacity. And so public-private partnerships have become sure. a, a very popular tool to access private capital to help meet public needs.
1: Let me ask you about the Qualcomm site, because I know there's a lot of controversy stirring about it right now, and there was some speculation about um, maybe developing it uh, on behalf or for San Diego State, uh, what are your thoughts about what's going on down there and what would you like to see
0: well, what I can say is that the initiative as proposed is very bad for San Diego State University and it's horrible
1: uh, fiscally for the city of San Diego yeah I do hope the voters get to to weigh in um, my understanding right now is uh, they're trying to get it just through the city council without any uh, community input or, or a public vote. And that's too important of a site, I think, uh, to have it go that way. But, um, don't you agree on that? Well,
0: I, I, I would agree that what really needs to happen is is a timeout and uh, an RFP process, much like happened with the old Seaport Village site, so we can get lots of good ideas on the table and through a deliberative process select what's in the collective best interest of yeah. the
1: city and community. Have, have, they, have they made a uh, final decision on Seaport Village yet? I, I'm not sure on that. I think they have. I think they've chosen a developer, right? No, yeah, I, b- I believe so. They've chosen a developer. Yeah, forget who. But, uh, but so, also- so,
2: que- so, question, Fred. You're a big Aztecs football supporter. My concern is with the Chargers leaving. The viability of the the football program as Division One, um, and to me, that Aztecs football is a real treasure of this community, especially since the Chargers have left. Given its history, what, what are your? Th- Thoughts about the future of Aztecs football?
1: Well, he's a lifetime uh, 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 season ticket holder. What's he going to say? This is a
2: serious question.
0: So the the Aztec, the future of Aztec football's never been brighter on Montezuma Mesa, but at the same time, we've never had a greater need for a new a new stadium, and that's the number one priority is is a new stadium in a model that can accommodate
1: where the Aztecs are today, Mm -hmm. and also where we're going into the foreseeable future. Yeah. Another thing that gets overlooked is Chargers Park on Murphy Canyon Road, the beautiful th- they got three football fields there and a beautiful office and facility with an Olympic-sized pool. But it's empty. And, well, it's not empty till July, I don't think, but I don't, I'm not sure they have determined what's going to go on there. And um, have you heard anything on that, Fred? Well, that's part of the land grab that is the uh, FS
0: Investors' proposal for, for what I call Sucker City.
1: Mm, mm. I don't know if we're— I know if we're totally ready to fully embrace soccer as a as a city and county. I know I know a lot of kids are playing it these days. Um but um Thank God none of my kids do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're talking about concussions and you know heading the ball with uh, you know using your head to hit the soccer ball, that's that's not detached uh, retinas. Yeah, yeah. it's not, not a great idea. So but um anyway, we only have a few minutes left. Uh let's get Fred's website, Pierce dot com. And um, what do you – you know, the landscape – let's make you mayor for a day. I mean, pensions, potholes, and poverty.
2: Um. <laughs> Jeez, Joe, you're a real optimist. Well, today. we have
1: the homeless issue. I just – I, I saw you just group it if under there. If you
2: want there. to throw in the fourth P, throw in the Padres.
1: Padres. Mm. Okay. Yeah, they're, anyway. they're poverty-stricken when it comes yeah. to scoring runs. But anyway um, – What can we do about uh, you have any thoughts about the homeless? I know I went to a big developer event, Diz Now, which I think you spoke at one time. And and what keeps coming up was was uh, water at the time, but uh, traffic and transportation. uh, So that's another big issue. If I made you mayor for a day, uh, what what grand ideas do you think you might uh, have to share with any of that? Well, I think still, as we just talked about, the most pressing
0: issue in San Diego today is the Qualcomm site and what it can do to uh, to benefit the the community going forward. And and importantly, I would I'd I'd put it in this perspective that uh, where would the city of San Diego be today? without San Diego State University and University of California, San Diego. Mm-hmm. We would be nowhere. They are uh, providing our skilled workforce, and we're not keeping up with demand.
2: And they've, uh, they've been the catalyst for hundreds, maybe thousands of companies in San Diego. And, and so, of
1: course, Richard's a Torero. Let's not let's yeah, not leave yeah. out USD. Well, it's,
0: it's so, yeah. it, what's so important. And so what first and foremost has to be taken care of is enabling San Diego State to accommodate the demand. Eighty-five thousand students apply to get into our university every every year for 7,000 slots. Mm-hmm. And we have a master plan to grow the university from thirty-five to 50,000 students. Wow. We can increase our graduates by 50% fifty uh, percent more college graduates out of San Diego State, but we need a place to do it. Yeah. So, so that's why there needs to be a collaboration, you know, of that most critical site because it's the only thing proximate with linkage transportation-wise. Yeah, you got where the, the trolley. Can the grow. trolley's yeah.
1: right there. We built the trolley system. We better take advantage of it, and uh, it goes right to the stadium. And you're right. I do think uh, there should be some kind of San Diego State consideration when they develop that. Not just put, uh, you know, restaurants and lounges and, and whatnot. Which the students will probably take advantage of, also, by the way. <laughs> but um, anyway, let's see. We're uh, just about ready to wrap up here, I believe. Gosh. So, Fred, quick question: How many,
2: how many um, team members? How many employees now in your company?
0: Yeah, 360 employees. Wow. Good for you. And uh, you know, we're all over the country: Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Ohio State, Purdue. Wow, uh, the list goes on. There you go, kids. San Diego
1: State graduate, uh, you can make it. Fred Pierce the Fourth. President and CEO of Pierce Education Properties. Thanks for being our guest, Fred. Richard, great seeing you. And uh, Justin Hart on our board. Thanks Everybody for making
2: Everybody get on the website and vote early and often.
1: Yeah. Thanks for making it sound terrific, Justin. Thanks to Craig Blank, your con executive, Andrew Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. All these podcasts are commercial free on iymoney.com. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.